hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We are delighted you are here. Welcome. Thank you for, for joining us on this blustery day in Peoria, Arizona. We do not get those very often, but we will take the breath of God blowing through our city. Pray it's the Spirit of God, so welcome. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there's some interesting things that happen. I want to talk this weekend about the mountain. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, we find Elijah the prophet having a frank conversation with King Ahab, who was not a very godly king. And Elijah says there's not going to be rain for three years. Now, in an agriculture-based society, uh, that's not an economic slowdown. That's an economic shutdown. And I suppose Ahab wasn't excited to hear that from the prophet. Soon after that, the prophet makes his way to see a widow and her son at Zarephath, and there the widow's son has passed away. He's dead. And in an interesting healing maneuver, Elijah raises the boy back to life. Elijah. It's an interesting development of things. And, and then in chapter 18, it's kind of this crescendo. Uh, if Netflix would get a hold of this, this would be an amazing series. In fact, it's so amazing, most people would say, yeah, I don't know. Who came up with that? But God's Word tells us in chapter 18... Uh, that Elijah here eventually ends up on Mount Carmel. There he has a showdown with the prophets of Baal. 500 prophets calls fire down from heaven. You know the story. Calls fire down from heaven. Consumes the altar. You can kind of picture what's going on there and, and, and this amazing event at Mount Carmel. So we have Elijah raising a boy from the dead. We have him at this amazing showdown on Mount Carmel. And then that leads us into chapter 19, because what we're going to see in the early verses of chapter 19, it almost makes you shake your head or wonder, what, what happened? What happened to Elijah? So I want to kind of prep the time together. By the way, James chapter 5, 17 says that Elijah was a man just like us, just like us. I don't know about you, but it's been a while since I've called down fire. I've wanted to a few times. It's been a while, but he's a man just like us. And, and I think chapter 19, we see probably the significance of that. So I want to read verses 1 through 6, reading out of the NLV. The scripture says, now Ahab told Jezebel. Now, I want you to see that. Ahab's upset. He and I, Elijah had the conversation. He's going to go home and he's going to tell Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Look at verse 2. 
So Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah and says, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Speaking of one of the prophets of Baal. So here's the threat. Look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Now he's raised a young man from the dead. He's called down fire from heaven. He's consumed the altars of Baal. He's taken out the prophets of Baal. And, and in, uh, one threat from Jezebel. One threat. And the scripture says that he is afraid and he's running for his life. Isn't that amazing? He comes to the place called Beersheba there in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, and he sat down under that tree, and he prayed that he might die. Look at what he says to the Lord. I've had enough, Lord. He says, I want you to take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lays down under the, the tree, and he falls asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and he lay down again. So that kind of just gives us the framework or this idea of the mountain. So uh, let's pick it up a little bit. But what, what I want us to see is that in chapter 17 and 18 of 1 Kings, I, I see a prophet, I see a Elijah, and I see the amazing things that he does. And, and then I hear the words of James that I'm a man like Elijah. He was a man like us. And I'm like, I don't think so. And then when I read the early chapters of of 1 Kings 19, I'm like, well, w wait a minute. M maybe I am more like Elijah than I actually had ever realized. Because I do get fearful. And, and there are times where we have these conversations with ourselves and we have these conversations with God. But, but I want you to look at what happens in Elijah's life. And I, I, I think this might land hopefully in your spirit. Because there are those times in life where we are discouraged, where we're hurting, where we're uncertain, where we are anxious, where, dare I say, we might even be depressed to some degree. And when we see the prophet Elijah in that condition, there is a connection with us. And in that way, I am very much like Elijah. So notice what happens with Elijah. And I just want to give you some what I think happens in verse 19 that might be super beneficial to you because maybe you're not in a position this tonight or, or, or this weekend. Maybe you're not in a position where you're having a difficult time in life. But as I know life, life will make sure that we come to those places where we experience emotional, spiritual, physical difficulties. Life will make sure of that. And so when we come to that point, when we come to the point where Elijah is essentially saying, Lord, take my life. What does he do? What does God lead him to do? The first thing that we see is that Elijah goes to the mountain of God. This, this is one of the first things that he does. Look with me. Begin reading in verse 7. We're going to read through verse 9a. The scripture says that the angel of the Lord comes back a second time. Now, friends, the angel of the Lord just could have left it as it was. Correct? The angel could have said, guys, hopeless. He's worse off than we thought. But the angel comes back a second time, and notice what happens here. and says to Elijah, get up, eat, for the journey is too much for you. So Elijah gets up, he eats, and he drinks, strengthened by that food. 
He travels 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Horeb, the mountain of God. There he goes into a cave and he spends the night. So what do we do when we're experiencing those times in our lives when we're hurting, we're anxious, we're fearful, we're confused? What do we do? The first thing that we see the angel telling Elijah to do is get to the mountain of God. Now, Horeb is about, I'm saying about, 350 miles to the south of what happened in the area of Mount Carmel, right? The prophets of Baal, things are happening there. Uh, from there, Elijah goes about 100 miles to the south to Beersheba. It is there he leaves his servant. And now he's traveled about another 260 miles to the south. And he comes to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Mount Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. It is an important mountain in the history of God's people. In fact, you remember there's a man named Moses. He went to that mountain and received God's law for the people. So, so Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, same mountain, represents the presence of God. It is a reminder to us that He is God, I am not. Horeb reminds me that He's God, I am not. The angel says, you got to get to the mountain. You got to get back to the place, back to a place where you, where you can hear God and you can connect with God. And when he gets there, he goes into a cave. Now, some believe this is one of the early Airbnbs. Who knows? But he's in a cave. He's been there. He's made the journey. Now, there's some question about, well, how long? Did it actually take Elijah to walk from Beersheba to Mount Sinai? Now, the text says it took 40 days. Now, there's some symbolic, uh, symbolic representation in that. It, it actually probably is not a 40-day journey, but I, Elijah might have uh, taken his time. Who, who knows? But there's something special about 40 days in the Scripture. So the text says it takes him 40 days to get there, but let's don't focus on the distance. Let's focus on the prophet, his desperation. He is there because fear. He is there because Jezebel has said, I'm coming after you. And so God says, here, I've got a plan. Go to the mountain. Let's get to the mountain of God. And so the scripture says that he arrives at the mountain of God. He sets up camp there and he's in a cave and he spends the night. I want to wonder, where is your mountain of God. Where, where do you go when you need to speak to God, to hear from God, to connect with God? We know Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane often. There was a place in his life. Now, those places aren't easy to find, and, and maybe you don't have that place. You're like, actually, Pastor, it's in my car for about 10 minutes. Okay, get what you can get. Take what you can take, but get to the mountain of God. Now, now notice what happens next. When we get to the mountain, when he gets there, on that mountain, the second thing I want you to see is that Elijah hears the whisper of God. Look with me in verse 11 and 12. Look, look at what happens here. Scripture says, The Lord said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. That would be a little nerve-wracking, wouldn't it? The Lord's about to pass by. I mean, the Lord's going to... He's going to show up. He's here. There's anticipation with that. There's an unknown element with that. 
What if we came to God's house believing that the Lord was going to pass by? Would we enter with a, a deeper expectation that we're going to actually hear from God? So, so the Lord says, go outside. The Lord is passing by. Now notice what happens when the Lord shows up. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So much for my earlier statement about the Lord blowing through Peoria today. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Hmm. After the earthquake, there came a fire, but you know what? The Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, Scripture says there was a gentle whisper. Isn't that beautiful? Tender, caring you see, we're kind of conditioned for the spectacular, are we not? We're, we're, we're a culture that loves the spectacular. We love it in so many ways and in so many arenas. We're, we're conditioned for that in, in our sports. Although last Monday night wasn't all that spectacular, if you're a Cardinals fan. Uh, we're conditioned in uh, reality shows. We're, we're conditioned in concerts. Uh, we're conditioned for the spectacular. We're conditioned in entertainers. And actually, I think there's an element of that we are conditioned for the spectacular, even in our corporate worship. We like the spectacular. We like it big. We like it loud. We like it bright. That's how we like it. But isn't it interesting that, that on the mountain, God is speaking in a whisper. He displays the power of wind, earthquake, fire, but, but he chooses to whisper to the prophets. The prophet's hurting. The prophet's down. The prophet's confused. He's scared. He's on the run. And God comes to him in a whisper. I have often wondered, why did God come to him in a When you whisper to your children or to your grandchildren, what happens? What, what has to happen physically when you whisper to someone? Yeah, you got to pay attention. What else? You, you got to move in close. You, you got to move in close. You, you see the intimacy of God in the story? He, he's call, he, he wants him to come in. Not just to tell him something. There, there's more to it than just saying something to the prophet. There's more, than, there's more than the whisper like a loving father. The almighty God. Elijah, I got something to tell you. Come here. Isn't that fascinating? Doesn't that speak to the beauty, the gentleness? the care, the concern of a loving father. He's got the wind, he's got the earthquake, he's got the fire. Sounds like a 70s band to me. Wasn't there a band called Earth, Wind, and Fire? Uh, they were not the originality of that, by the way. It's here in the scriptures. The gentle whisper. Now notice what the whisper looks like. So on the mountain, we see that Elijah is going to hear the whisper of God. Then, then notice that Elijah is going to answer a question. Look with me in verses 13 and 14. So when Elijah heard it, speaking of this gentle whisper, the scripture says that he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? 
Look at what happens in verse 14. Elijah replied. By the way, this is the second time he's had the same reply. He had the same reply in verse 9. Notice what he says. He says, all right, listen, God. Here's what I want you to hear. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He's giving us his resume, right? He's like, have you not been paying attention? Did you not hear what happened at Mount Carmel? Did you not hear what happened at Zarephath? Have you not heard any of that? Look at what he said. He's like, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Now, the Israelites, those people that I go to church with, they've rejected the covenant. They've broken down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And guess what? Now they're trying to kill me too. That wasn't true. Wasn't true. He's answering the question. God is asking, what are you doing here, Elijah? Twice he answers the question. He answers it the same way. He's like, Lord, are you not hearing? Are we disconnecting with communication? I've answered the question. I'm the zealous one. You people, have, they're losing it, right? I'm the only one left. You ever had those times in life? I'm the only one that does the dishes around here. I'm the only one that cleans up. I'm the only one that picks up what the dog does in the back. You ever had those moments? Sure. I'm the only one in the office that is on time. I'm the, I'm the only one in the classroom that gets the work. I'm the only one. Man, when we start thinking we're the only one, we're on a, a destructive emotional path. Look at what he said. I, I, I'm it. I'm God, I'm all you got. In fact, you're kind of lucky to have me, right? It's kind of what, that's the presentation, right? Now I get, I, man, I'm doing my thing. I'm the prophet. You should be thanking me, God, that I'm here. Now, now notice this question. It's fascinating. What, what are you doing? It's a rhetorical question, right? He's like, now what, why are we here? Why are you here? Well, he could have said, well, you know what? The angel told me to come here. I don't think that's the question, do you? It's like, why are you here? It, it's, uh, it, uh, the question has this element of, of reflection. How did you get this, to this point in your life, Elijah? How, how are you here? Why are you thinking this? How, emotionally, spiritually, what got you to this point? The reality is, is because Jezebel said, I'm coming after you, and you will be like one of the prophets of Baal within 24 hours. That's how we got there. Fear, correct? Fear, that's how we got there. But it, it's more than a question of reflection. It's a question of purpose. What am I to do with my life? I, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. What am I to do with my life? There's, there's reflection, there's purpose, and, and, and I would encourage you to ask the question to yourself, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? What a question. What a reflective question of purpose. What are you doing with your life? What is your life's current assignment? What is your kingdom assignment? What are you putting your hand to for the kingdom of God? What are you doing here now? And how did you get here? What a question. I don't think enough of us are asking the question or hearing God in the gentle whisper, what am I doing here? If you were to answer the question right now, what are you doing here? How would you answer it? What would you say? 
What would you say? It reminds me of the courtroom scene where Lieutenant Caffey is asking Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? The judge, Judge Randolph, tells Colonel Jessup this. You don't have to answer the question. Do you remember the scene? You don't have to answer the question. Jessup, with somewhat of a prideful nature to him, says, oh, I will answer the question. If you and I will answer the question that God is asking Elijah, it is a life-transforming question of reflection and purpose. If I were to ask you, why are you here? What are you doing with your life? What, what, what has God told you to do? What's, what's he inviting you into? Where are you now? What are you doing here? How would you answer that question? Would you agree it's a probing prominent, important question. Would you agree with that? It is, isn't it? What are you doing here? Last thing I want you to see, that when he goes to the mountain, he's not only hearing the whisper of God, and he's not only answering the question. Now, he hasn't answered it right yet, right? He's just trying to get it out. Hey, man, I'm zealous. Your people have lost their mind. I've been doing my thing. I'm the only one left. He's doing, right? He's, he's convinced of that. He says it twice. Last thing I want you to see is that on the mountain, Elijah begins to get some help, some help, some direction. Uh, notice what happens in verses 15 through 18. The Lord says to him, it's not like the Lord agreed with his answer. He's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're right on, Elijah. No, no. Look at what the Lord says. The Lord said to him, I want you to go back. Say that with me. Just say it with me. Go back. Isn't that powerful? I want you to go back. You're, you're, you're 350 miles or so, roughly, I'm speaking in generality with that distance, from what was happening earlier in your life. You've made your way this far to the south, so I want you to go back. No, notice what he wants him to do. God gets very specific here. And I want you to go back to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, I want you to anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu is going to put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Here it is. Look at verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Wait a minute. I thought he was the only one, right? He's like, I'm it. God's like, hold on. There's more at work than you see. There's more in going on than you'll ever know. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to get fearful. But on the mountain, he gets help and he gets direction. He gets his next assignment. God's like, you're going to go back and here's what you're going to do. You're going to anoint some people. Oh, and by the way, you're going to anoint one named Elisha. He's going to succeed you as prophet. What? Don't I get to pick my successor? No. God says, I got it. Elisha's getting ready. He will be the one who succeeds you in moving forward as the prophet. In that way, aren't we like Elijah sometimes? 
I mean, sure, there are times you want to call a little fire down from heaven on some folks. You're like, I'm glad I'm not like Elisha in that, right? I, but as I look at verse chapter 19, I do see myself in some of that, don't you? I see myself if someone says something to me or someone doesn't say something to me, I can be fearful and I can run and, and I, can, I can be afraid and, and, and I run from what God has called me into. And, but the good thing is that God sends it to the mountain. And it is on the mountain that he hears the voice of God. He answers one of life's most incredible questions. And then God says, I'm going to get you help and direction. I'm getting you help and direction. So, so what do we do when we're overwhelmed, we're discouraged, we're directionless, we've been doing it all for God, and things aren't going like they should? What do we do? You get glad. Say it with me. Get glad. Get glad. Wasn't that a trash bag commercial years ago? I'm just thinking of that. Glad bags. What's that mean to get glad? You got to go meet with God. You got to go meet with God. I used to work with a pastor here locally what, when we first moved to Phoenix. And, and after staff meetings from time to time, he would tell the staff, all right, this week I'm going to the mountain of God. In other words, leave me alone. The G stands for go to the mountain, go to the place where you can meet God. You know, sometimes maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to take a, a weekend off and, and I'm going to go to a place or, or there's, that, there's that place in your life where, where you seem to hear God better and, and clearer. Sometimes it's maybe not in a, in a corporate worship setting, right? G, go to the mountain. L, listen for the whisper. Listen for the gentle whisper of God. The gentle whisper. Sometimes do you hear, you think you hear the Lord when you're laying down sometimes? I do. Sometimes I hear Him when, when I'm sleeping, right? Sometimes I think I hear the Lord better in those moments than in many other, other times. So, so go to the mountain. Listen for the whisper, all right? Answer the question, what am I doing here? What am I doing here, right? Emotionally, spiritually, physically, with my career, with my kids, with my marriage. What, what, am I, what am I doing here? And D, you need to decide to get help. Decide the direction. You know, someone told me years ago, one of the most spiritual things that we can do is make a decision. Isn't that powerful? Make a decision. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.